Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Gospel-Based Parenting, a biblical study on discipline and discipling. In this book, you will explore what the Bible really says about spanking and how we can discipline our children the biblical way without spanking or punishment. Every chapter includes a list of discussion and application questions to help you reflect on God's word, God's heart, and your own heart as you seek to discipline and disciple your children like Jesus. Buy your copy today. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating peace in the world, beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm a special education teacher, the author of several books, and a proud schooling mother to two amazing children, Sophia and Ben. And today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Tanya Milano-Snell. Thank you so much, Tanya, for being with us today. And to all my listeners, thank you for joining us as we have a conversation that can change the world. I love that. Thank you, Angela. I'm Tanya Milano-Snell. I am a teacher um, turned parent coach and a mom of two, five-year-old and a nine-year-old. I've dabbled in all kinds of stuff from environmental education to teaching kids yoga. And now I am focused on my parent coaching programs. That's so. awesome. I'm, I'm super excited to be able to have you here so we can learn more about all the things that you have been cultivating over the last nine years and developing, you know, raising your own children and then also helping other parents as well. Um, so to dive right in, can you just share a little bit more about who you are, your family, your story, what you guys are up to these days? Yeah, so we're um, a family that lives at a state park. So my what? husband, yes, I didn't my even husband. know that was possible. <laughs> I know it was. You know, it's always been a dream of mine to be like immersed in nature. I was yeah. like, I envisioned myself to be like Laura Ingalls Wilder, like mm. <laughs> the <laughs> the um, little house on the prairie. So um, it just de- it developed slowly. But my husband is. Um, assistant property manager at a state park so um, the managers have park housing and we're just a um, a nature loving family we love to hike explore and travel Um, and so it's really a perfect fit for our family Um, yeah and I was a homeschool family until this past year Uh, my son went into um kindergarten or he's an early early kindergarten he's an early five-year-old so um he my both my kids love um school so I went with it 
Um, it was more me that wanted to do the, the homeschool approach. And I did that for a long, um, for their preschool years because I really know the research and that um, being connected as a family was really important to me. So I ended up teaching with them for a while, bringing them to preschool with me, doing kids yoga together. Um, we actually made a yoga video library all together that I sell. Um, oh, that's wow. really fun. Yeah. That is so cool. As part of our homeschool journeys during the pandemic, um, I just was really what catapulted me into my parent coaching and leaving the teaching profession was self-care. Mm. And so when the shutdown happened, the pandemic, and I was homeschooling, I knew that I was going to have to take care of myself. And that's through my yoga practice. And mm -hmm. I figured, how do I include my kids in that so that I'm regulating myself mm -hmm. and we're regulating together? And so yeah. making videos was part of that. And it was really fun. So you made the videos with your kids? Yeah, we have um, several kids videos, um, kind of lesson plans that I had done in the classroom and for camps and um, my yoga studio classes, we put them into videos together. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And I, I love how you were talking about um, that aspect of self-care, especially when you're a teacher. I think it's something that, you know, I'm a teacher as well. And I feel like when, you know, in all the teaching groups that I'm in on Facebook, it's something that comes up over and over and over again, just how teachers are constantly giving and pouring out and, and that there really is this missing piece in education where teachers are so often neglecting themselves and really aren't able to care for themselves properly. I don't know, did you observe something similar while when you were a teacher working in education, just that, that yeah. I guess that neglect of teacher self-care? For sure. Um, it's, it's definitely a conditioned um, response in our culture that especially women teachers will give and give and give. Um, we've been trained, we've been conditioned to do that, giving of ourselves. And that's really what I loved about the profession is that I am a giving person. Yeah. Um, but part of my journey was watching my mom like lose herself to motherhood. Mm. And, um, and I always knew that in the back of my mind, I didn't want to do that. Like I wanted my own passions and purpose. And when I was in the teaching field, I was getting home and my kids were getting the, the worst of me. Mm -hmm. Like I was giving the best of me all day and it's burnout. It's just, that's what it was, was I was burnt out by the end of the day, by the end of the week. And yeah. I didn't have anything left to give because I wasn't giving myself the care that I needed. Mm. And um, it's another reason why homeschool, I realized, wasn't for me. And mm -hmm. it can be for a lot of people perfectly. But I couldn't keep up with myself, the amount of self-care that I needed. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why is that I had some trauma, major trauma that I had to deal with. Mm. And I had to make hard decisions between, you know, what were my high values now versus what were they then, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I had two parents that passed away within six months of each other. Oh my gosh. So, so sorry. Yeah. My values shifted dramatically to self-care mm. because how can, how can my kids thrive 
yeah the mom that's not gonna be available mm. yeah so wow that's really I, I can't even imagine going through that and then at the same time parenting young children at the same time how did you navigate dealing with your own grief in the midst of that really difficult time while having two other children that you have to raise and and I I think a lot of you know I, I can relate to you from that sense. I know you're a preschool teacher. And when you, when I taught, you know, kindergarten and first grade, it's like you have this constant need to be on, you know, like the constant smiling and happy and excited and, yay, and everything is fun. Um, and, and then I can relate, you know, to the same thing when you come home, you're just like, oh, you know, like sometimes it is, it is exhausting to kind of put on that persona. I felt almost sometimes like, like an actress on a stage, you know, like bringing that fun and excitement and, and all of that all day long. And then, you know, coming home and dealing with that as well. And so I'm, I'm wondering how you just navigated all of those different, yeah. different aspects of grieving for your parents, being on, you know, with your students, coming home and like decompressing and processing grief at home with your children as well and helping them deal with grief. How, I mean, how did you even navigate that? Yeah, it, thinking back on it, it's really difficult to remember a lot of what happened. And I when I left teaching, I kept, I started journaling right away because I knew that it was a process I needed was journaling. Um, but what you said about being on and being playful, being joyful, um, that was me as a preschool teacher, dancing, singing, um, getting down on the floor and playing with everybody. And um, the preschool, and luckily I had a summer break to kind of have that time um, my preschool was in a church. They were wonderful. They took care of me. They, you know, they understood what was happening, mm. but my upbringing, like I was the oldest of five mm. uh, kids. So I had that parentalized, like I take care of what needs to take care, get taken care of. I went in to survival mode. Um, the mother in me was like, well, I just have to do what I need to do and keep on going. Yeah. And I really actually didn't understand the enormity of it. And everybody around me probably was like, what is happening? You know, she's, you know, I was just going on, like nothing had really happened. <laughs> and so um, I did have a glimpse of the fact that I was feeling more stressed. And that's when I started bringing in yoga into the classroom. And I was like mm. practicing with them. Like I put the videos up. I love um, Cosmic Kids yoga on YouTube. Yeah, me too. I would do the videos and I would do it with them because I knew my body needed that regulation time. Yeah. Um, and then I left that preschool job and went to another one where it was full day. Mm. It went from a half day to a full day. And that was a huge shift for me. Like I was having very few hours of dap, like <laughs> decompressed time, like you said. <laughs> yeah. And I was taking my lunch breaks and list, like I, I would put like soothing music on because mm -hmm. I knew I needed that hour of like, ooh, and then the kids yeah. would come in for rest time and I'd continue like that. Um restful time mm -hmm. but I just felt myself slipping into like um 
just not enough time to get the things done that I wanted for myself. I was kind of trying to create this environment out of the one that I was in. Yeah. And I was becoming more and more reactive, which I never had done with my students. Mm-hmm. Um, and at home, like it was the parent I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to to that. I actually I I published a book um, called Tales of a Toxic Teacher, and it's about my journey, very similar to what you're saying. That you know, when I first became a teacher, I wanted to save the world, and I was going to be this bright light that was going to you know make a difference with all these children and be happy and love them and care for them and just you know make such a difference. And then over the years, I started noticing that same thing that like I was becoming a person that I didn't like, you know, and you said you were becoming reactive. I'm like, and actually I wrote a story about, um, you know, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home and I, I like never cursed in my life ever. Um, like you know, to my, to my dad, like saying jerk was like, I got grounded for calling someone a jerk, you know, cause that was like yeah. a curse word, you know? And the first time that I ever cursed was actually in a, in a high school classroom I was teaching at and I just lost it. And I was like, you guys, I'm sick of you guys treating teachers like S, you know? And I, I mean, I went back the next day and apologized, but that moment for me was like, oh my gosh, like who have I become? Like I'm reacting, just like you said, I'm reacting to all the stuff that's going on. I'm clearly not able to take care of myself and my emotions very well because that was so not like the kind of, person that I wanted to be. Um, and yeah, and, and that was, I think my first realization that I was like this environment, like teaching like this, it just, it was producing more toxic results in me than I was the good. I felt like I was trying to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and what was that moment that you decided that I, I have to leave the classroom? Um, it took a good four weeks. Like I, I had, um, emailed the principal and I was like, I really need some support here. Like I, I had a really high needs student, um, that needed, you know, changing from the nurse and like really one-on-one, um, attention. And we did not have that ability to give him a one-on-one. Um, and I, I, so that was my first reach out was like, I just need some support. I don't think I can, um, do this on my own. I need mm-hmm. somebody that can, so like, there was like little baby steps I was taking, like, okay, we got him to go to the nurse. Now the nurse can do this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then it was showing up at home. And mm-hmm. that's when I realized my kids need a mom that's for, for them first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the first time I put hands on my children, I was completely overwhelmed with grief and guilt. <laughs> so I remember picking my son up because he had anger. Like he was exhibiting my repressed anger. <laughs> like he, It was coming out and he would hit us. He would like knock over the trash can. He would throw things. And so it was... Um, it was activating my, my repressed emotions. Mm -hmm. And the first time I picked him up and put him really hard on the couch and not thinking he was going to be hurt or anything. Right. Yeah. And he ended up scratching his back on whatever was on the couch. And I was mortified. 
with myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew right then and there, I was like, no, it's time to put mom and myself first, not teaching first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that that moment. And I feel like it's a moment that a lot of teachers and parents as well can relate to. You know, that I feel like there there's there is every parent experiences a, a moment where we do something that we swear like, oh, I would never do that, or I would, I would never you know, hurt my child in this way, or I would never, you know, react like this. And a lot of that too comes from our own upbringing, right? Like we have experiences with our own parents and we're like, I'm never going to do to my kids what my parents did to me, you know, Um, and then that kind of like reactive thing. And, And I'm wondering what kind of environment did you have when you were growing up as as a child, like how were your parents interacting with you? And how do you think that that has impacted the mom that you are today and the kind of mom you want to be? Yeah. So my moms as a, as a coach now, I I've developed, I've, I made a group, especially for moms called reactive to relaxed self-care without the guilt. Mm. Anybody that's listening, please join our group. I have lots of self-care stuff in there for free. And um, really, it was inspired by my own mom mm. because I learned everything about being a mom and what it was like to be a woman from watching the things I didn't want to do <laughs> from her. And when I found myself doing that, like you hear your mom's voice come out of you in parenting. Yeah. And I was like, no this got to be something that's going to change now because mm. she wasn't taking care of herself most of my childhood. And she was mm. very reactive, um, very much like she would give and give and give and then blow up that no one's helping. And <laughs> um, I, many Thanksgiving dinners where it was like, okay, we got to hide. <laughs> like She just needs to be alone. Yeah. Um, And my dad was an alcoholic, so Mm -hmm. it did not, the enormity of that did not hit me until they passed away, just how much she was dealing with in Mm -hmm. that relationship, because I had my own, my own adult, you know, my own childhood, child of an alcoholic, seeing it through that, those eyes and Mm -hmm. knowing that it wasn't acceptable, but it was my normal. Yeah. Right. And, um, and still figuring out how to navigate relationships based on watching their relationship, Mm. um, has been really a lifelong journey. I just turned 40 this year and I'm still growing up a lot of emotional, (laughs) things like I'm still finding myself acting really young sometimes Mm. yeah and I think a (laughs) lot of my kids (laughs) I feel like a lot of times it's like our own inner child I feel like so much of my parenting work isn't about parenting my children but parenting my own inner child that's needing to heal and needing to just deal with and process all these emotions that I feel like I never had the opportunity to deal with or process as a child myself, you know, and 
Um, and for people who aren't, maybe aren't familiar with these terms, you know, I refer to myself as a gentle parent, but I know there's a new phenomenon um, where people are, are learning about something called conscious parenting. And I know that's something that you're really passionate about, Tanya. Can you share with us about what is conscious parenting? For sure. Um, I read all the books about, you know, how to be a gentle parent, like all the the positive discipline stuff. And, and as a teacher, it's like, you get all the theory, you understand the brain science, you understand all of this stuff. But when you're in those moments and you're triggered, Mm -hmm. your brain is not going to remember any of that stuff because you're going into your emotional brain. And uh, like, if you read about flipping your brain, flipping your lid and the Dan Siegel work, um, it's all completely obvious when you read it. But when you're in an emotional state, you're in an emotional state. (laughs) And, um, And so it's really about conscious parenting is really about parenting in each moment, right? Like being really present in everything that's coming up and it is rough because you've got I mean I have four people in my family some people have more so you're dealing with moment to moment of how do I interact with each person's being really they're conscious beings with choice and they each have different um values different philosophies like they're developing I don't want them to just be me I don't want them to be little me's Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a lot of hard work but that's where my mindfulness practices come in Mm -hmm. and my parent coaching is pure joy coaching and it's a safe seat practice Mm -hmm. and this has changed my life safe seating and so it's like you take these emotions or anything any trigger that's coming up into your safe seat where you practice your mindfulness and you can go through the inquiry process of where is this coming from? Mm. Is it a childhood thing that's coming up for me? What's a story or belief I'm telling myself about my, you know, this yelling at my kids is, is a belief that I'm not a good parent Mm. or a belief that I'm failing my children Wow, and sending some love to that, right? Like we have to own that part of us and this is whole process that we go through in my coaching and that I continue to have to do as a conscious parent, sometimes all day long, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending on the day. Yeah. And is, my kids are say, I'm sorry. Would you say that conscious parenting is different than gentle parenting or I guess, how are they different? Is it just a different word for the same thing? Um, I really think the difference is that we're understand as conscious parents we're understanding that each person is their own being and that we change as we grow mm-hmm. and so you may i mean gentle parenting is really about being gentle <laughs> and and um and meeting your kids where they're at but that is constantly changing where they're at is constantly changing and being conscious of that because we get so fixated on, well, this is the way we're doing it. But then the next day, right. Something comes up or 
um, your kid comes home and they've learned something completely new from another family. And it's just a, a process of discussing and growing together. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to explain, but. Um, I think you're doing a great job. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. <laughs> um, and so I know that you do um, like coaching, but mm-hmm. you also have a course that you're about to launch or that you recently launched. Yes, I developed a little bit more about that. So my signature program is launching. I'm calling it Ohm in the Home. Mm. And Ohm to me means unity, um, this universal energy. And it's really all the things that I have developed over the last nine years, the the books I've read, the positive discipline, the gentle parenting. connection to nature is really important to me so some of the um the stuff that I've learned about the importance of connecting to nature play-based learning Mm -hmm. um and connecting to self is really a big part of my program Mm -hmm. and how do we continue to connect to ourselves and develop children that can connect to themselves like develop their own self-identity Mm-hmm. and it has weekly coaching for life like once you're in you're in oh wow that's yeah. a great deal <laughs> yes so I have visiting coaches as well I have a sex coach that's coming in because really developing intimate relations with your partner um like you it's just a lot of childhood stuff that comes up there as well so there is a lot of inner child work like you mentioned that we do in my program Mm. where we just we bring our triggers to the conversation to the coaching session and we work through what I just talked about that safe seating Mm -hmm. and um so I have a visitor a visiting coach that does that with anything that's coming up in intimacy and sex yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I've never heard the term safe seat before. Yeah. Um, can you share a little bit more about what that is or what that means, how that works? Yeah, safe seat is actually um, pure joy parenting. Um, a, it's her, Leslie Potter's the founder of pure joy. Uh-huh. And she developed the safe seat out of her need to, to meet her own emotional needs in parenting. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, a lot of parenting programs are about behavior management. What yeah. can we do to change a child, right? What can we right. do to change the environment? What can we set up our kids for success? But safety is really about your reaching your emotional capacity and then growing yourself up <laughs> in that moment and coming back in your new adult capacity. So Mm -hmm. realizing when you are not health, separating health healthfully from the emotions of your children. Mm. And it's really developing a sense of attunement. Like I can attune with what's mine and then show up for my children. Yeah. And uh, then we attune together. That's very interesting. I, I know for a lot of uh, gentle parents, you know, the, I think uh, uh, the big thing that they focus on is, you know, spanking, like we're not going to spank. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know for myself, like that's been a, 
relatively easy boundary to maintain. I know some parents really struggle with that because they have a habit of spanking or hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that they kind of go to. But I find that a lot of gentle parents, whether they struggle with spanking or not, um, the, the yelling piece, I think is really, really challenging. Um, and for me, that's, that's been the hardest part. I mean, you know, I come from a long line of Italian yellers, so we're just loud. You know? I'm Italian too. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah I we just, we just talk like 10 decibels above normal, you know? Um, and that's just like our normal way of speaking it. And I, I try really hard to be conscious to like communicate at a normal volume level um mm-hmm. sometimes I'll even try to whisper you know to avoid yelling um but for me I find that when I get triggered like I I just I still struggle with yelling and yeah. I'm wondering how do you handle that piece of it like is there a way to prevent yourself from yelling at all or is that just something that happens like how do you handle the, yeah. uh, the temptation to yell or you know when you when you do yell recovering from, from that. Yeah, this is, this is super common. And when you asked me about what, what, um, what was the sign that I needed a change? And it wasn't only that, that story about picking my son up and putting like forcefully putting him on the couch. I found myself yelling like a banshee like completely lost control that I had a sore throat after. And I was realized after, so I didn't have my safe seat practice then. I have Mm -hmm. it now. But back then I realized after that that wasn't even, I wasn't even present in that moment. Like Mm -hmm. I had gone somewhere. (laughs) So um, the part about conscious discipline that I think, and this, and pure joy parenting, we really emphasize that you are going to lose it. Mm. No matter what, you are going to lose it sometime. It is a human response. But can we start to love ourselves for all of it? Like we've repressed so much Mm -hmm. anger, like gentle parenting preaches like no anger, right? And and then our kids bring us the anger Mm. and we're like, what do we do with it? Oh no, I am trying to not have angry children. Mm. And so it's really about accepting that there is anger. And then how do we like, how do we process this in a healthy way? Mm. And the safe seat, often we have to safe seat after we've lost it, after we've yelled. And so really what, love. What does that almost. look like? Like, what does that look like practically? I guess if you could kind of walk us yeah. through an example of, you know, if you were safe seating yourself, what would, what would that look like? Okay. So I come, there's four parts of a trigger. There's a sensation that you're going to have and you, we've, we've learned to ignore our sensations. It could be shortness of breath. It could be tightness. Mm. Um, it could be heat rising, right? It could be a stomach dropping. Like we are really nervous. So first we bring that to our safe seat. Oh my gosh, what sensation am I feeling right now? Could be that like constricted neck feeling like tight throat. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot, especially after I yelled. It's like right there. Yeah. So feeling that sensation, that's part of your trigger. The next part of the trigger is what is my feeling? 
can you get to a feeling like uh, I'm feeling really disappointed or I'm feeling really anger? Anger is usually that tip, right? Like yeah. there's other things under anger. Yeah. If you can sit with that feeling, sensation and anger for a little bit, there's usually something else underneath anger. It's interesting because I, I've thought about that before because I feel like, just like you said, anger is kind of the 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 tip of the iceberg right like yeah, and most of the time underneath anger it's not really anger it's hurt for yeah. me that's what I found you know most of the time if I'm feeling angry it's not because I'm angry it's because I'm I'm feeling hurt about something yeah. or like you mentioned disappointment mm-hmm. um but even that like that stems from from hurt also you know and yeah. and so I think a lot of times you know we view anger as this bad emotion but we can't when we can see that there's hurt a lot of times underneath and I feel like it's easier to to show compassion you know yeah, yeah and sorry. it's like so the next so there's the sensations one two is the, the feeling. feeling and sometimes um number three is the story or the belief sometimes you gotta flip-flop the feeling in the story. Sometimes the feeling is totally nebulous. You're like, I don't know what I'm feeling. There's a story or belief coming up, like I'm a horrible parent, right? Or I'm never going to get this right. Or my my kids are going to be so scared of me. Mm. You know, there's some sort of story or belief that's happening for you. Yeah. Um, or people are judging me right now is a big one. Like people think I'm a horrible parent. Like if you're out in public, and there's like a major thing going on with your kids and you're, yeah. So that could be a really big one. Mm. Um, and then the last part is, and oftentimes we just have to send ourselves this unconditional love, right? Of course, this is the last part of the safe seat. That's really important is we don't want to end up in guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. So you have to do this, of course, part like of course this is coming up you want to be the best parent of course you're gonna be angry sometimes or get hurt sometimes of course and and in reality I'm an adult and and my kids are kids right and I'm in this moment in reality I'm safe Mm -hmm. you know so um when we go into those what was the fourth part I'm sorry Oh, fourth was um, sending. Um, so the fourth part of a trigger is your feelings are going to drive your behavior. Mm. So your sadness or disappointment and the story that I'm a horrible parent is going to drive that behavior to like yell or something. Mm. So mm-hmm. recognizing that all of that stuff in that trigger is going to drive the behavior. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just leaving it in this place of, well, why am I always yelling, right? Why is this causing me to, you know, slam doors or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Then we can go into that part of, okay, well, obviously, of course, like you're hurt about this, or of course you want to be the best parent. Of course, this is going to happen sometimes. You really have to send yourself some love at the end to get through that part of it. Yeah. Um, and that's where the inner child work comes up sometimes in my coaching is where is this stemming from? Mm-hmm. Right. There's some kind of hurt or disappointment that has happened in your life that's continuing. If you find the same triggers, it's something 
mm-hmm. that is unresolved. Yeah. 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 That is, that's very true. Um, I mean, that I'm, I'm really excited about the course that you're offering and, and even just the opportunity to have coaching every, every week, right? Is, is yeah. That yeah, the opportunity to have coaching every week. I mean, that is phenomenal. So to everyone who is listening, I will make sure that I include links for the course in the description. So please make sure that you check that out. Um, I, I don't think you all are aware of the incredibleness of this offer that Tanya is, is creating for the world to be able to, you know, have coaching every week and to be able to have a community that you can grow with and, um, and really, you know, focus on being the kind of human being that you want to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you so much for, for creating that opportunity, um, for other. I wanted it when I was, I, I needed it and now I'm creating it for others. So yeah, it's, it's just really, really special to me. I'm excited about it. (laughs) And this, this part about, um, the trigger core, um, four parts of a trigger. Mm -hmm. I do have an eight week course that brings people through, you know, part by part that Mm. is, you know, really special work that I went through myself. Um, so that is an individualized one-on-one, but once people have done that, it's really, um, upkeep right like we we do I do emotional support in my program yeah but that's a really individualized course that mm-hmm. can help if someone's really really emotional right and they have to work through something yeah um because group coaching is not for everyone I understand that this is really a vulnerable place to be mm-hmm. and so sometimes starting with one-on-one is really helpful yeah thank you for for mentioning that that is very true um, it, it is, it is nice to have community, but you're right. So much of this work is so unique to the individual and, and really taking the time to put in that inner work makes all the difference. Um, it, it really, really does. And I know each of us are on our own path to become the best mom or the best dad or the best, you know, human partner that we can be. And, um, and it's challenging. I mean, this is our, this is our lifelong journey, right? Like working, yes. you know, every day and, and reflecting on who we are and who we want to be in the world and, and being that. Yes. So, yes. And behind me, I have my favorite thing, be the change you wish to see in the world. Right. And I love that our kids are going to be that we're doing that for our kids. So it's really, really exciting. We are. And I think part of what makes it's so challenging is the fact that we are really shifting the narrative of what has been passed down through generations. I was, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about just thinking about like our ancestors, you know, like going back in time and thinking about the way that they were raised and the way that they were parented and kind of that, that twofold part, right? Like there's so, I mean, I was thinking about the infinite number of love stories that had to happen in order for us to be here on this planet right now, right? Like, I mean, all of the love stories that had to work all throughout history in order for you to be sitting here and for me to be sitting right here in this space, in this time in the world. And then at the same time, also thinking about 
the infinite number of trauma and harm and all of those things that had also happened all throughout our ancestors and the things that they had gone through. And so it's like this interesting combination of like love that has been passed down, but then at the same time, also these, these traumas that have kind of been passed down through the generations as well. Um, and, and I know that for me, one of the most challenging things was my parents whom I really loved and respected. And, and I, you know, I truly believe that that they did the best that they could with what they had, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but when they saw me parenting my children differently, I know that it felt like a criticism of them. Like, almost like I was saying to them, like, oh, you weren't a good parent because I'm doing this different. Or, you know, I felt like they felt like I was judging who they were as parents because mm-hmm. I was parenting so radically different from the way that they were parenting me with, you know, spanking and punishment and threats and, you know, grounding and, and all those other things that I was like, you know, we're not, we're not doing, we're not doing those things. We're going to explore a new way. Um, and so I'm wondering, how do you navigate if there are other people in your life that may not understand, you know, Mm -hmm. why you're choosing to, to parent this way? Um, I I know now after time, Mm -hmm. my parents are, my parents are starting to see it and it's been really cool for me, you know, at the beginning was really challenging, but now after, you know, seven years later, I feel like my parents are really starting to see the benefits. And actually my mom came to me and was like, wow, I, I, I've been learning a lot about parenting by watching you parent your children in a different way. So that's been really cool for me, but I know that there are other people that I talk with that that is not the case for them. Like their parents are like, you know, really having a lot of conflict with them around these differences in parenting styles. So how do you, how do you navigate other people understand I love that question and just our conversation about conscious consciousness basically like what's come before us and what's going to come after us and um and that talk about passing down your ancestry and that we are all limited beings and and we have to remember that we all have our own limitations and our parents had their limitations and they were doing the best that they could do. Now we're doing the best that we can do. And, um, and that can be really hard when you're conflicted. Like there's a sense of conflict, in, internal conflict, right? Between the old paradigm and this new paradigm. Yeah. And, and that's our inner child in there that's conflicted because we had this, all this stuff going on that we witnessed um, growing up. And now we have all this new stuff we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly battling that inner critic um, and developing the confidence for me to stay with my convictions of why I think this is important has really come down to like-minded friends and community. Mm and you have to really have people behind you. And that's, that's, I've had that. Um, I've been lucky enough to have my group of friends and families where we're like getting together and raising our kids together. But we've had really hard conversations as parents, you know, together, like just, why'd you do it that way? Or why, you know, why are you doing it that way? And, and discussing it with each other. Mm. That's why I want that's why I'm developing this program is that sometimes you just need an outside person to talk yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but the conversations that are happening, that's really wonderful with your mom. Like 
explaining where you're coming from, like communicating can really make a big difference. And when they start to see your kids um, coming with these skills, they're going to be blown away. Like, it's amazing. Like, whoa, a five-year-old just told you that they were sad when that happened. Like that is like many adults cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my mom was, she was shocked because my, my three-year-old actually was like, mom, I'm feeling really frustrated about this. I mean, just to have a, you know, a child so small that is able to communicate in words. So specifically, you know, like we have these like the general emotions, right? There's like anger, sadness, happiness. I feel like those are kind of like the the big three that everyone mm-hmm. kind of goes under. I guess there are like the six main emotions, um, you know, like worry or you know, fear and all those other things. But um, but I actually, I, I wrote a, a book about emotions in part because of everything that's been going on now. But one of the things I've been really concerned about is the fact that, you know, nowadays, due to like the masking and stuff, you know, kids are, are, are not able to see people's faces. And I feel like there's a lot of nuances in someone's face that you're able to see and understand someone's facial expressions and their emotions. And so I wrote a a children's book about emotions, you know, just to be able to show like kids faces and the different ways that they can have emotions. And it's, and it is, it's really fascinating when you can give like more specific vocabulary, right? Cause like, being angry is different than being frustrated and Mm. being disappointed is different than being sad, you know, like, although they're similar, but, um, but yeah, you know, being able to help our children more accurately identify exactly what that motion is. Like you were saying, like, not just I'm angry at the tip of the iceberg, but really getting below that and, and figuring out what that specific emotion is. And then being able to communicate that more specifically, I think is a really powerful skill when I'm like I wish I wish someone would have taught me that when I was a little kid you know too growing up um but yeah anyways I'm sorry I I interrupted you and went off on a tangent there go ahead no it no it's fine I don't even remember what else I was gonna say because um there's just so much in that um parenting differently than your parents and that is why I advocate so strongly for this safe seat practice is that mm-hmm. not only do you safe seat your children's behaviors, you have to safe seat your partner or other adults and you know what is coming up for you when your mom criticizes the way you're doing something or your dad doesn't understand why you didn't, you know, you talk to your son um, you don't tell your son that they can't play with dolls or something like you have to really internalize like what your feelings are. Are you feeling, um, you know, misunderstood is a big one, right. Or not, not heard is a huge one, especially. Yeah. yeah, Growing up with a family that didn't, you know, you were a child, you know, children are not, um, they're seen and not heard, right? We heard that a lot growing up. (laughs) Yes. So as an adult child, then you're still carrying that with your parents. Like Mm. you have to bring those beliefs back into really understand um, where your emotions are um, before you react to your parents, right? And Mm -hmm. because the reaction doesn't get any understanding. Mm. right? When you're just mad at them or, you know, this is the way I'm doing it. Just 
figure it out, you know, that's going to continue the spiral of not understanding each other. Mm -hmm. So do you recommend having conversations about why you're doing things differently with relatives that maybe don't understand or don't agree? Or is it kind of just like, keep doing what you're doing and the proof is in the pudding or how do you, what what would you Um, recommend? I'm trying to think of a real life example. Um, we had to move in with my mother-in-law when my, my daughter was six months old and take care of her. This is another traumatic event that happened to us that Mm. led me to complex stuff to deal with. But, um, there was a lot of things, we were new parents. So we were figuring it out as we went and sleep was a huge thing, right? Like with a new baby, you're trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. And, um, for me, I remember being really quite immature still in my communication. Like, I'm just going to ignore it, right? Avoid it. (laughs) Like, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Um, but with my my husband is like coming out and reactive reactivity with him like well this is what I read in the book so we're gonna do it this way and then two weeks later no I want to try this now and he's like so confused right? mm-hmm. and my mother-in-law is just like going along for the ride but I could I felt judged and I mm. um and that was hers to hold, right? Like she never confronted me on anything. It was all my own projection of what was happening. Right. Um, so it's really situational. Like, does it require communication? Like, am I, am I so upset that I really need to communicate something or is this my own stuff I have to deal with? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, A lot yeah, of times so it I is her really- own stuff. When you were talking about the three parts of the trigger, the one that stood out to me was the story. Um, And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Landmark Forum, but for anyone who's listening, um, maybe about 10 years ago, I I took a course called the Landmark Forum, which I highly recommend. Um, Besides Jesus, I feel like this course has been like the the biggest one that has made an impact on my life, um, the Landmark Forum. And one of the big takeaways that I got from that is they talk about our story um, and the distinction between what happened versus our story about what happened. And for me, that idea was revolutionary um, because when I can look at what happened, with no no emotions attached, no good or bad, no meaning, no significance that I'm adding to what happened. Mm -hmm. And I can then look at whatever my story is about what happened, then Mm -hmm. that's where, you know, being able to separate and make a distinction between the two, it just, it's so powerful, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So like, for example, you know, what happened was, I I don't know, my, my child was sad and kicking and screaming on the floor of a Walmart, right? That's the, what happened. My child was sad and kicking and screaming. And my story that I made about what happened was that exactly what you said, I'm a bad parent. Everyone's judging me, you know, all these other fears and worries and concerns, or my child is even thinking like, oh, my child's bad or my child's a bad kid. Um, And we go into the future, right? Like, are they never going to figure out how to you know, yes. do what they need to do in life. You know, we, we go and go and go into the future. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, and that's so true. It's like a real genuine, you know, it's like a real fear. Well, real, <laughs> it's not, you know, real, yeah. it's not real, but it's, 
valid, a valid fear that my child is, you know, going to end up terrible or they're never going to learn how to control their emotions or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, being able to make that distinction between what happened versus my story about what happened, I think is, is a real practical, like strategy that has really helped me to kind of sit back on and not just related to parenting, but to all areas of my life, you know, looking at the things that have happened and then literally realizing that any, any bad moment in my life, it, when I really can think back on it, it wasn't bad. Like there, it, the, the bad isn't in what happened. The bad is in my story. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's perfect. And, and I can make a new story. Like I literally can make a new story, you know? And, and I think that's where the transformational part comes in um, to being a conscious parent. Like you said, is that I can acknowledge this is the story that I'm having. What's a new story that I can provide? Cause yeah. if I get that my story is not real, like my story is just my story and that's okay. And then I can look at my child that's having a tantrum there. And instead of thinking someone's going to be judging me or someone's going to, you know, my child's a bad kid or I'm a bad mom, or I don't know how to control my child or whatever, any of those other stories that I might have. Instead, I can look at my child and think, wow, my child's having a hard time right now, or my child is trying to communicate a need that they're having in this moment. And then being able, like, like you mentioned, our stories and our sensations and our feelings, those give inform our behaviors at the end right so if we can change our story that's going to change our behavior perfect synopsis <laughs> thank <laughs> you very much <laughs> yes i love that yeah um, that was i i mean this has been amazing and you said you shared also you know earlier you were talking about a lot of different resources and one of my my favorite things because i'm a teacher i love reading i love learning i love studying and researching and all these things um, I would love to hear what are some resources that have really been helpful for you in being a conscious parent? Well, I love to read books. Mm -hmm. So specifically that you could recommend that I would love to jot down and so permission to feel. Have you read permission to feel? I have not. Um, now I'm going to forget the author's name. That's okay. I will look it up and I'll put it in the show. Yeah, permission to feel is a really great one. Awesome. Um, and then peaceful parenting. I think it's on my um, shelf. Positive. What's it called? Positive parenting. Gosh, I'm horrible. That's okay. No worries. Well, after, after we finish chatting, if you want to send me a list of maybe some yeah. of your favorite resources, and I will be more than happy to include that in the show notes. So if anyone wants to read some of the, the resources that Tanya has read and recommends. And um, Simplicity Parenting. Okay. Kim I've John heard Payne. about that one. I haven't read that one. Yes. Before. Simplicity Parenting, Kim John Payne. Mm -hmm. um, and Free to Learn is another really oh, wonderful I love that book. Love yeah. That book. Yeah. There's just so many that have shaped my, shaped <laughs> my journey. Um, yeah, and, and Mindful mindful Mama, I really like following her. Okay. If you really want to develop a mindfulness practice, it's part, a real big part of my programming. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, I have a yoga, online yoga membership. I think yeah. I said that already. Yeah. Um, and but, you, you mentioned Cosmic Kids also. If, if you're mm -hmm. not familiar with Cosmic Kids, um, we actually... We just did one of there's the other day when we were driving in the car, my daughter was having a hard time. And, um, and so I was like, okay, we need, we need some breathing 
some breathing practice, some, you know, so we actually did their, their body scan. And I think that was like, I don't know. I had, I had never done a body scan in that way before. And they did a body scan and I started doing it with her. And I was just like, wow, this is really useful. <laughs> like yes. you know, just really taking the time to, to stop, you know, and granted I was doing it while I was driving, but, um, but just being able to reflect on the sensations that you were talking about that so often we just miss because we're not, we're not used to paying attention to our body sensations. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so doing that body scan for, for me was really, really helpful. And it was amazing to see just the, the change, you know, in, in doing a body scan. Um, so I love that you mentioned cosmic kids. I would definitely recommend checking, mm-hmm. checking that out, you know, not even just for your kids, for yourself. It was really helpful for me. <laughs> and then it, yeah, we, we live so much in our mind. And so a lot of my work is about embodiment, like getting back into the body and, mm-hmm. um, and grounding our energy really. So in my Facebook group, there's a 90 days to joyful living. And it's really all these little tiny things you can do each day um, that build up to this, in, this sense of embodiment. So simple things like today, bring your attention to your feet whenever you can, right? Today's a day to think about your feet grounding. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can practice these little mindfulness activities, the more you do get back embodied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things too, I really like about grounding, even though it's winter is being barefoot. Um, and I know for a lot of parents, they get, you know, really stressed if their kids are like not wearing shoes outside. Um, but I would encourage you to just, uh, you know, explore the benefits of being barefoot, especially being barefoot outside in nature. Um, yes. that's, that's one of our favorite things to do as a family, to be outside. And even if it's freezing, um, my kids will go run outside in, in the cold with bare feet and, yeah. and they come back when they, when their feet are too cold, they'll come back. So Um, Yeah, I like to walk outside sometimes too with my bare feet and feel that cold. It just, uh it snaps you back into your body, right? You feel that cold under your feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, And there's the play the the forest way. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful book about all these little forest play um, activities that you can do. Awesome. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of um, those different resources. And I always like to ask people at the end of an episode, um, if there's one piece of advice that you would like to give to a, a parent or teacher that's listening, um, what would that one piece of advice be? Um, that would be to, that there's only one you and there's only one person that can put you first and that is you mm. so um you are doing the best that you can with what you have but you have to really think about what your personal needs are mm-hmm. first and foremost before anybody else that's beautiful thank you so very <laughs> much tanya i have had an absolute blast talking with you today. I feel like I learned so much and to all of my listeners. I want to thank you as well for joining Tanya and I um, today for this episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I truly hope that this episode has been as much of a blessing for you and your family as it has been for me. 
remember that there are new episodes that are released of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast every Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. And if you would like to support me in my work, please start by sharing this episode with your family and friends. And then also be sure to check out the links in the description. Um, we've got ways that you can connect with Tanya. Um, and oh, actually, I, I know you mentioned we're going to include your course. Are there other ways that people can connect with you? Yeah, my website is www.tanyamilano.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I mentioned my Facebook group several times, so everybody's welcome in there. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And so again, I'll have all of those links in the show notes for you. Please make sure that you check them out. And you're also more than welcome to check out my website, www.peacefulworldschoolers.com. Thank you so much. And I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. Thank you. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, Click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.